This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Combine Thursday, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. You're Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. Um, Johnny Mac, I was thinking of starting the show today with Hassan Reddick. A couple of uh, media individuals, pretty well sourced, uh, are saying that there are teams interested in already talking to Hassan Reddick. And we will get into that. But uh, you, me, and Xander were just talking before the show started about McCall Hardman. And I know at Birds 365 go, who cares about McCall Hardman? Yeah, he caught the winning touchdown pass in the Super Bowl again. Yeah, we got no use for him. He's not that there is a story out there, a report out there that in season, while as a member of the New York Jets, McCall Hardman leaked game plans and information to both the Kansas City Chiefs, the team from whence he came before becoming a Jet. And went back to and won another damn Super Bowl ring. And to the Philadelphia Eagles in games that the Jets played, he leaked out Jet uh, game plans ahead of time before meeting those two teams. Is Can this be accurate? Or, or uh, just- Yeah, I mean, that's the accusation by a number of players. Sauce Gardner being among them. Kenny Uboa, is that how you pronounce it? The back t- backup tight end. Backup tight end, yeah. Um, he said the same thing. Connor Hughes, who covers the team, says, uh, yeah, there's a belief that certainly uh, he called it a validated belief from the Jets that Hardman, frustrated by his lack of usage, leaked game plans to the opposition, as implied by several players. So the Jets certainly believe it as well. Um, I just tweeted out before we came on the show, this is an under indication that execution is far more important 
than game planning or play calling because guess what? The Jets won the damn football game against the Eagles. Uh, so, you know. So what, you know. Jets, Jets didn't have Aaron Rodgers. The Eagles had insight as to what the Jets were going to do, and somehow the Jets still beat the Eagles. We, exactly. we, we've, since the season, we've gone back and tried to find where the season went wrong for the Eagles and the catastrophe that was the end. Maybe you got to go all the way back to that Jet game. How do you not beat the Jets? Yeah, well, they should have beat And that was, if you remember, that was the – yeah, they should have beat them. They should have punted the football. They probably win the game. And Jalen Hurts made the terrible decision. And it, well, the one thing you couldn't do, interception, Jets steal the game. But the Jets stayed in the game, um, and maybe they had uh, a little bit of uh, – um, I, I don't know what you want to call it because, you know, if the, if somebody's giving away trade secrets, in theory, the Eagles should blow them off the field. But again, I, I think it's a, the, the far more important thing about playing football is the teaching aspect and the execution aspect. And I always, I, I've been bringing up Jimmy Johnson too many times this week, but I'm going to bring him up again because he wrote a lot of interesting things in his book. And I talked about his comment about how he treated players, uh, which you remember very well, uh, uh, like me, because it was, you know, to me, it was very savvy saying, I'll treat y'all fairly, but I won't treat you the same. Um, during their dominant run, he, he mentioned they had three running plays, you know, but they had the best offensive line, maybe in the history of the game. They have one of the best running backs maybe in the history of football. Um, and they dominated. And everybody knew what was coming. And they couldn't, couldn't stop, stop it. it. Nope. Couldn't stop it. So the point I'm trying to make is when everybody, oh, the play calling this, the play calling that. And and now I'll go to Tom Brady on, on Steve Young's uh, podcast. They're just calling probabilities. That's all they're doing. Oh, it's third and short. They're probably going to play man. I'm going to call this. Oh, it's third and long. They're probably going to cover two us, zone us up. I'm going to call this my cover two beater. That's what play calling is, probabilities. Um, execution, uh, being taught what to do in a proper situation, being ready to do what in the proper situation means far more. This is just another example of that. Um, McCall Hardman's giving away secrets to his Georgia buddies. And the Eagles lose the game. They should have won by three touchdowns if they had no information, to be honest, because the Jets were up against it with no Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson playing quarterback. That was just a terrible performance. Certainly the worst performance by the Eagles until the collapse uh, at the end of the season. Um, and it didn't matter. So, you know. But, um... That doesn't look good on McCall Hartman. <laughs> no. Uh, and uh, a little later in the show, we're going to bring up this new NFL PA survey. They do it every single year where they ask the players uh, to grade their uh, organizations that they're playing with. And I want to get into it with you about uh, the fact that some people take this very seriously. Some people get it done in two minutes. So well, the I Eagles take it very seriously. I'll tell you that, man. Woo. Yeah, they were on top of that yesterday. On top of that. Well, no, I don't I'm not I'm not, not talking about yesterday. I'm talking about when the players take the survey. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. The yeah. players, some players probably sit down and are thoughtful about it, and others check, 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 and boom, they're done in 30 seconds. So how much you can actually take from it is debatable because the Eagles graded out pretty damn well in a lot of different categories. Of course, they're going to put an emphasis on it. Um, the, the whole McCall Hardman thing kind of points to this. Uh, the Eagles grade. So, wow, the Eagles are an organ. They're a destination place where players are going to want to go. Why wouldn't you want to come and play for one of the best? Why wouldn't you want to come and play one of the best facilities? It's the money, honey. Are you kidding me? Free agents are going to make their decision based on what salary they're being offered. If someone's offering them a million dollars more, but they got to sit on a stool at Kansas City rather than a luxurious chair in the Eagle locker room, where do you think they're going to go? They're going to go to the Chiefs. Where do you think they're going to go with a team that goes to the Super Bowl almost every single year? The Chiefs. This is a nice effort by the NFLPA to get information out there, to let other players know about other organizations and share it with the fans. Don't think it's a free agent, going to make a difference, going to get guys to your team kind of thing. McCall Hardman went to the Jets because the Jets offered more money than anybody else. He got there and Rodgers got hurt. He didn't like it. Oh, now I'm going to kill him. I'll be giving away plays. I'll call my Georgia teammates from Philadelphia and let them know ahead of time. If it was so bad with the Jets, why did you sign with the Jets, McCall Hardman? I'll answer my own question. Because they offered him the most money. Yeah, the money. That's yeah. what we're money talks. And oh, yeah. I mean, talks. look, if we're talking about facilities and, you know, Miami and Minnesota and Dallas would win every year. You know, I, I, I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, and in Miami, I think Miami was number one. Minnesota was number two. Minnesota was number two, la- uh, number one last year. They only been doing it two years. Um, and Miami's facility is brand new. And that's why they spiked up. You, you, know, you know, remember Stephen Ross getting um, <laughs> a pretty big chunk, a pretty big fine for um, uh uh tampering. Uh, uh tampering with thank you tampering with tom brady uh and he's the number one owner in the nfl all of a sudden uh stephen ross really that's where we're going uh no they have the best facility because it's brand new and i was down there last year and it's gorgeous and yeah uh so does that correlate to anything no and they have the advantage of being in south florida and the weather and no state taxes and all that stuff and, you know, let's use Big Banjo. He wanted out, right? He didn't want to be there. Everybody has different reasons for why they want to be in a certain situation. But you're right, Jody. More people, it's about who who's giving me the most money. Most people. Most people. Yes. Not everyone, but the and, vast and, majority. And if If you've got two offers and there's a slight difference between the two, could playing for a better coach and a better facility and a better if one is offering you uh a hundred million and another's offering you 99 million yeah you might take the 99 if it's a better situation if one's offering you 105 and the other one's offering you 99 guess what you're taking a 105 if it's anything more than just the slightest of differences in money money's going to win out the salary is always going to win out these it's uh, it's interesting it's a fun read. It's complimentary to the Eagles. They probably should be proud of it. But uh, I just always laugh when people, oh, look, we're the, 
third best organization. The free agents will be flocking here. Oh, because, yeah. No, that's no. stop it. Don't kid yourself. Don't get sucked into that stuff. Um, the, your your thoughts on uh, Minnesota and their general manager and their executive and how they've been running things the last couple of years, John? Yeah, they don't be- have a good GM. So it, to me um, – but you they're know, the top not, They got the best facilities, John. Why aren't free agents dying to get to Minnesota? So, and and Ziggy Wilf, who's their owner, was tied for the first slot uh, with Stephen Ross. They both got a pluses or whatever. Um, it, it, you hired this guy. You know, Rick Spielman looks like Ron Wolf compared to this guy when it comes to personnel decisions. It was an average GM. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great talking about Spielman. He was solid. He was average. You know, he was not embarrassing. Uh, a hell of a lot better than than Kwesi's been. And people could say maybe he's young. Maybe he's learning. Maybe if he gets to stick around, I think he's getting blown out after this season when he screws up the the quarterback uh, situation, to be honest, because they're not in a position to draft one. They're going to have to pay a, a 36-year-old guy coming off an Achilles, I don't know, $40 million a year um, if they even want to be competitive. And, oh, by the way, if you look at their division, Green Bay's getting real good. Detroit's already real good. And Chicago's got the first pick in the whatever, the ninth pick, wherever they are. They got two picks in the top ten. They're They're in bad shape. And they're the number two organization, number one organization. Yeah. yeah. What do you care about? What do you care about? But but they got a great facility. Feel feel free to hang a plaque on the wall from that one. You don't have to make room for a Lombardi trophy. So go ahead, hang a plaque. We are the number one team in the NFL PA survey. Means nothing. Uh, well, I, this that, year Miami is. To be fair, it's Miami this oh, year. Oh, was Minnesota we last year, Miami uh, this yes. year? Yes. Uh, Minnesota oh. was number two this year. They were number one last year. Miami was number one this year. Yeah. Go Dolphins. Good job. Yeah, this season. It, that, again, doesn't get you a Lombardi trophy. Um, yeah, John, I did see a couple of uh, media individuals who are giving their props for their uh, coverage and their uh, ability to dispense information. Uh, Josina Anderson and your friend of mine, uh, uh, Mr. McLean, that several teams have already expressed interest, which to me means have talked to Hassan Reddick, who was granted permission to go out and seek a trade from another team with a contract extension, surely part of it. Um, we knew from the time that the Eagles uh, let this information out that it was going to happen, and Reddick is surely going to be talking to teams. The question was, how was the timeline going to work out? When were teams going to be interested? What would they bring the Eagles as far as an offer goes for a trade? John, the more these uh, pieces start to fall, the more I'm starting to think that Hassan Reddick is not going to be here. And yes, the Eagles will get something for him. I can't see it being anything more than a second round pick. It shouldn't be anything less than a second round pick. It really does lend itself to a second-round pick, depending on the team that's making the trade. If it's a team with a really late second-round pick, I think Eagles will ask for and probably get a day-three pick added to it. How the hell are the Eagles going to replace Son Reddick if he's traded? Hmm. Julian Okwara. No, I'm joking. Uh, but, you know, it was funny. We talked about uh, uh, 
Nick Sirianni, we always talk about him bringing up certain players uh, unprompted. Uh, uh, Trey Sermon a lot last year. I, I I think a lot of people didn't realize when Howie did a quick opening statement, he mentioned was really excited about the future signings. And the Eagles made, you know, as big as a splash as you could make with uh, with future signings when they signed Oguara and, and, and the running back, uh, Ty Davis-Price, and they gave him, you know, more money than futures players typically uh, get. I, I didn't make a note, a mental note, that he mentioned that. Because I think, you know, I've said, I think they're going to try to moneyball it. And it's not about uh, one guy replacing uh, Hassan Reddick. I think it's going to be about replacing the production, not the player. And that's why I say moneyball it. So, you know, players like Oguara, they're going to draft an edge rusher, I would imagine, if they trade Hassan Reddick. Nolan Smith is the, you know, big part of it. Uh, He's got to step up. And, and maybe be the main part of it and Oguara and everybody else. And they're going to, yeah, they're going to say, they're going to Billy Bean it and say, and we're not replacing Jason Giambi. We're replacing the 40 home runs and the whatever RB and, and go about it that way and, and try to piecemeal it. Cause you know, you're not getting Brian Burns. You're not getting Josh Allen. Um, yeah. If you're not willing to pay somebody 25 million, you're not going to go to 30 million, even if they get to the open market, which by the way, they won't get to the open market. So anyway. All right. And if that's their plan, good luck. I think it's a failed conceptual plan to come in to begin with. Uh, lighter hands make uh, more hands make light work. Not always when you've got talented skills and like it's on Reddick. Good luck replacing it with three or four lesser guys. I think it's a major issue and a major mistake that is quickly coming into the offense for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. We are Birds 365. Oh, I see in our window of uh, waiting. Joining us next is uh, our buddy Rick Saratella from both the NFL Draft Bible and AllAccessFootball.com. He is in Indianapolis, going to be there to watch the drills that it starts today. We get yes. to see linebackers and uh, I think the defensive line today uh, on yeah, the yeah. field in the yeah. underwear. I know Rick Saratel is excited about that. I see one, him. One of those studying. guys, maybe the Eagles' fifth-round draft pick that's going to replace the sign running. Good <laughs> luck with that, Eagles. Rick Saratel is up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Mag and Mac here with you on Birds 365, and we got Rick Saratella with a smile on his face. He's all geeked up to be in Indianapolis for the Combine this week. Uh, no issues getting into town, Ricky? Uh, well, a little bit. You know, I've been like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan this year with the travel issues. If I haven't had bad luck, I got no luck at all, right? So, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we're working on it, though. It's been a bad <laughs> travel year. I think they do it on purpose. Uh, Absolutely. Ray. And people Certainly ask me what... Yeah, certainly a certain airline. I will not mention, but might have initials of AA. I'd like to. I was going to say they all suck. You know, people (laughs) ask me what's the best airline. None of them. You know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rick. Now, first of all, before I get into it with you, uh, uh, advanced scout for the Edmonton Elks. Now, congratulations! I wanted to mention that. But and by the way, I'm not politically. I can't call them the Elks. The Edmonton Eskimos. I know it's politically correct but obviously the cfl so i'm going to get jody i'm going to get jody involved i the best player in edmonton history i'm going to go warren Wayne Gretzky. Moon. no questions asked warren moon edmonton eskimo elk but there was an eagles great who played for and i use that term lose loosely anybody know him anybody remember if anybody gets this I'm going to call them yeah. the greatest Eagles fan uh, of all Yeah, time. it's not going to be me. I got no idea who you're talking to. You want to take a guess there, Saratella? Yeah, Johnny Mack came more prepared than the both of us here today. Anybody remember Gizmo Williams? Oh, uh, sure. Gizmo. Yes. Gizmo remember. was an Elk slash Eskimo. I did he not was. know that. He was. I, yeah. I surely so remember I just had Gizmo. had to throw that in there. But congrats. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we're, we're – uh, trying to convince some good football players to come up north and I'm trying to convince my general manager I know what the heck I'm talking about so it's been a <laughs> all right so that you know that's got to be the first question will there be a player who will be doing something either competing showing off his skills just meeting with teams because different players do different things my guessing 
anybody who's going north to the border with you who's better take part in every single workout they offer him this weekend. Will there be a guy who will end up in, in Canada that isn't quite good enough to make an NFL team? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I've, I've uh, got to look at this kid, Gabe Wallace, out of Buffalo. Big uh, mammoth tackle might have to kick inside to guard. He was very good at the hula ball and tropical ball. But I think this year the story that's developing is actually opposite. You got this guy, Quantez Stiggers, who didn't play college football, was lingering in the fan-controlled football. Toronto Argonauts took a, a roll of the dice last year. He was the most outstanding rookie of the entire league was down at the East-West Shrine Bowl. I kid you not, he may have been the best player there. If not, he was one of the top five players there. I have a fourth-round grade on him. Now, he was coming off an 18-game CFL season, so it was hard for these young young kids. I mean, he's the same age, but he's in game shape. I thought it was hard for them to keep up with him. I'm interested to see. The Combine did not invite him to Indianapolis. He's going to have to do his own personal private workout leading up to the draft, but uh, this is a guy who may be the highest non-combine drafted player. Um, things get started today, Ricky. So on-field stuff, and it's going to be, I believe, linebackers, defensive line. Correct? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, today? Uh, three p.m. with the uh, the the shift to I don't know semi prime time, but it used to be just the quarterbacks in prime time. Now they all kick off in the afternoon. So yeah, three p.m. How do the players like that, by the way? I, I, you know, sitting around all day. I don't, I don't know if they like that. You know, I think the NFL is like a soap opera. You know, you don't hear about what everybody likes. You hear about what they don't like. So, you know, if it's, if it's moved in the morning, you hear about how oh, you got to wake up. Early. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, you got to wake up in the event. You know, I, I don't think you're ever going to keep everybody happy. I think it changes the dynamics, though. And in, in terms of the night scene, like the, the networking and the ability to just turn around and be suddenly uh, having a beer with Jerry Jones or Bruce Arians, those days are kind of over because you don't have the NFL personnel out and about until very, very late night, which is past my bedtime. But it used to be a kind of smorgasbord of who's who, but now you have the teams in meetings, having to watch the combine at night. And also the NFLPA did away with the uh, mandatory agent meeting. So you don't have a, a, a lot of those kinds hanging outside. So say the night scene, which some of the younger audience might appreciate, has kind of died down in years. Mm. What What do you think of the teams like, yeah, I'm going to call them on the carpet because they started the whole thing. The Los Angeles Rams, who aren't there. Mm. Uh, they had scouts there. The general manager's not there. The head coach isn't there. The two coordinators aren't there. They just think they can get all the information they need sent back to their offices. And today at uh, 4.30, when defensive linemen are working out, I'm guessing that the head coach of the Rams might be actually surfing. But he doesn't need to be in Indianapolis. Uh, is, is it just dumb? Is it flying in the face of what has been in place forever? Uh, am I too old school to think that you have to be there? What do you think about teams that have just said combine, schmambine, I don't need to show? I, I think COVID enabled a lazier work environment. And I hate to use that word because it worked. Uh, I so mean, when I use. <laughs> well, but, you know, the Rams started doing this the year they won the Super Bowl. So yeah. it's kind of hard to, to argue the logic. Hey, it worked. They continued to do it. And, you know, you see some of the younger coaches. Matt LaFleur is not there. Robert Saylor is not there. Mike McDonald is not there. Uh, you know, I think that the players, I think a couple things, right. Uh, the, the players have been so coached up for these 
15 minute date dashes. I don't think teams are really getting a whole heck of a lot out of those things. Yeah. Uh, the medicals are, are what they truly value. And, you know, I think for everything that you're there for, you do get all that data and the end results there. You, you are able to watch it at home. So, I mean, I'm always I'm always a big believer in, in the eye test. I like to see it uh, with my own eyes. Personally, I, I'm always going to be old school like that. But you do have this younger influx of, of talent. And I wrote about this in, in the latest article, like the NFL, like Indianapolis had to outbid Dallas and Los Angeles to keep the, the combine the last two years. Now they have it through next year, but should this thing start hopping and bopping around? I think, I think a lot of these teams might mm. give the double middle finger salute to the NFL and say, you know what, take your prime time programming and shove it, you know, where I'll be back at home watching, you know? Yeah, I think we're going down that route, Rick. I think you're right. Uh, you know, Indianapolis has been able to stave it off for, I think, longer than most of us thought. But I think ultimately they're going to tour. And if they're not going to tour, it's probably going to be L.A. and the, the media campus by SoFi Stadium, so to speak. So um, I think ultimately that's where we're going to go with this thing. And we'll see how that shakes out uh, as years uh, progress, but um, the linebackers start today. That's a big, important position for the Eagles, not from a value standpoint, but from a need standpoint, because they can't seem to get it right. Um, obviously, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. spoke yesterday, so that was a big thing around Philly. I think I saw about 17 articles for the obvious comp, and everybody wants him. What do you think of him as a prospect in his fit and and what he can bring to an organization, whether it's Philadelphia or anywhere else? You said Trotter, right? Trotter, yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, he's got pedigree, big-time recruit. Uh, father was a, in the National Football League, and he brings a lot of those similar traits. Uh, I think he flies to the football. Uh, not bad in coverage, you know, can, can, can drop back if needed. So I think he brings uh, – experience, leadership, pedigree, somebody who's going to come in, I think can compete immediately for a starting job. It's funny. These linebackers have been devalued so much over the years that I don't, you know, I don't know if one of these guys sneak into the first round, if they do Cedric Gray from North Carolina, I think is a guy that's going to kind of uh, tear the roof off of Lucas oil stadium today. I think he's going to run faster than a lot of the running backs who are in Indianapolis. So that would be my candidate, but I think Trotter's right there at the top of the group. And uh, Junior Colson out of Michigan, if you if you look at his backstory and, and where he's come from, and this kid's been uh, fighting his whole life, you know, just a, a great, great player and even a better individual. So I think so, those are some of the guys at the top of the board. But I, I actually like the depth in this year's linebacker class because I think there's some value here. I do, yeah. Like Peyton Wilson out of North Carolina State, like this kid might pound for pound, he might be the best linebacker in this year's draft class. Now he's got some – some injuries, right? We talk about the medical in, in, in the combine and what that's going to look like. We don't know. So I don't know where he ultimately lands up. But if he's a day two, day three guy, that's great value. I think he's going to be a still. I think James Williams out of Miami is a guy that, that might slide a little bit because he played safety for the Hurricanes. We showed up down in Mobile and we're, we're informed he's going to be switching to linebacker. So he practiced that linebacker all week at the senior bowl. And you talk about a guy who played safety, who can fly around, you know, you got a safety and a linebacker body. 
that could fit what, you know, Philadelphia is looking to do. So James Williams out of Miami, another one of those mid-round picks. But going back to Trotter, you know, you could state a case, uh, you know, that he's the best linebacker in this year's class. And his, his running mate, uh, Barrett, who went back to school, a lot of people actually thought he was a higher rated linebacker prospect, uh, Barrett Carter, I believe. And so he, he, he'll he be a guy to uh, remember for next year's draft. I could hear that you think it's a deep linebacker draft because the Eagles aren't going to be using a high pick on a linebacker, Jody McDonald prediction. Um, I want to have you compare three different <laughs> positions because John and I have gone back and forth on this a couple of times. I think if I were guessing, projecting what position the Eagles are going to draft at number 22 with their first pick, I would put corner above all other positions. John's been kind of leaning toward a tackle because the Eagles do put extra value on the offensive line, the trenches in general, but certainly offensive line being one of them um, because there's depth in that group. And if Hassan Reddick is going to be traded, I think Eagles have to consider a pass rusher as a possibility there. Give us your group rating of those three spots. Cornerback, defensive yeah. edge, offensive tackle. Which one is, if you're just looking at depth at the position in the first round, I'm talking, I'm talking about at the top of each yeah. of those, which is the best position for this year's draft? I think that's an easy one for me. Offensive tackle would be the position I would wait on because I do think somebody could slide into the second round. Everybody knows about Joe Alt, Notre Dame, Fashano, Penn State, Buaga, the Oregon State kid. But I mean, somebody's going to slide, whether that's Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma, J.C. Latham from Alabama, Jordan Morgan from Arizona, who doesn't have the arm length, but might be as good as any uh, tackle that I saw. And he's, a, he's probably a second-round guy. Or Marius Mims from Georgia is a first-round talent coming off of an injury. So he could be had in the second round. I'll tell you another guy, Dominic Pooney from Kansas. <laughs> this guy was unbelievable at the Senior Bowl. I think he's a guy uh, that could possibly start along with Christian Jones. So I just rattled off nine guys at tackle that you could probably <laughs> It's amazing. Start. Yeah. yeah it's, it's unbelievable with the tackles. Now, yeah. pass rushers, if you wait, you're out of luck. Because there's just not a deep class. Uh, if you wait in the second round, the good ones are going to be gone. I think Chop Robinson out of Penn State is a candidate to be there for the Eagles. And he's kind of got similar dimensions, frame, size, speed, athleticism, burst. Chop Robinson from Penn State is a guy you, I think. You like Chop Robinson? Well, I like him in this year's draft class compared to who else is out there. You know, Leitu Latu from UCLA, I think he's a little bit up and down. I didn't. I, I think he might lack the necessary strength from what I saw at Mobile. I got questions about him. Uh, the, the, the top guy, Dallas Turner from Alabama, is going to be off the board. Right. You know, after that, you know, Jonah Ellis from Utah might be a day two guy that I'd be curious. You know, he's got these big, wide arms, long wingspan. But, I mean, it's slim picking. I mean, Andre Isaac, Chop Robinson's running mate, is somebody who generate has generated a buzz here. But his production isn't really there, right? So you, you got to wonder, like, how much coaching up does that guy need? And, you know, Devontae <clears throat> Maddox, I think, has been a problem. Darius Slay is a year older, as is James Bradbury. You know, I think cornerback, you know, Maddox to me, I don't know if he's a free agent or not, but it's like he's never even on the team. He's always hurt this yeah. guy. He's got to start moving. Contract pre done, or he's going to be released. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Yeah. They start moving these pieces around. And I, I think the Eagles left themselves a little bit vulnerable there on the back end. And we all know the back end is attached to the front end 
when it comes to the Eagles defense. All right. Well, let's talk corner, Ricky. Um, you know, the Eagles start the process at 20 seconds. So obviously that that's been my mentality with ta- tackle. If you're forced to stay at 20 second, you know, one of those tackles is going to fall because they can't all go. So, you know, you're going to get a real good value if you stay at that position, but if you want to improve and you want to target somebody, I see Terry and Arnold. I see Quinion Mitchell probably aren't going to make it to 22. Do you agree with that set sentiment? And how many corners could be worthy of, of that particular pick if the Eagles are forced to stay to stand pat? Yeah, I do agree. Arnold and Mitchell, I think, are one and two. I think Arnold right now is the first one off the board, but I'll tell you what, Quinion Mitchell. That's one of my, uh, I guess, man crushes in this year's draft. I mean, this kid is big. He's physical. He's tough. Uh, this is the guy I want for the Eagles if, if I'm Philadelphia because he fits exactly what they need, Quinion Mitchell. And, and I think Howie Roseman might be a little bit aggressive and target that guy and might maybe move up for him. If not, you know, guys, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry is a guy out of Alabama who was probably the consensus number one corner coming into the season, and he brings some uh, – returnability as well so that's another need that he might be able to fill I think he'll be there on the board uh and then also like Cooper DeGene DeJean DeGene do you have some great Papan out of Iowa yeah he he was unbelievable you know uh throughout his career for the Hawkeyes fundamentally sound some people like him at free safety I don't buy it I think you know if he's running here in Indianapolis I think he's going to be in the 4-4 range has that six foot uh height that's the one thing that you notice uh, it started back around circa Richard Sermon was kind of when we were introduced to these like uh, predator type defensive backs. I did the all-star circuit. There's all these six foot two, four, 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 five cornerbacks. Now it's like, if you're not six foot and run four, four, we don't want you. Uh, that's what you're seeing an influx of every year. We talk about bigger, stronger, faster. I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, you know, a couple dark horses here. I like Nate Wiggins from Clemson. I'm not sure if, if you know, 22 might be a little bit rich there. Um, but Kalen Carson from Wake Forest, nobody talks about him down there in the ACC. I thought Kalen Carson is a, a really impressive, good-looking cornerback, and I would consider him at number 22. What, what about Lassiter? Because it's Georgia and it's the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The the uh, Georgia pipeline. So, you know, yeah. I thought I thought Lassiter maybe had a little bit of a streaky season up and down. The, the scouts didn't really see the consistency there. So he he might slide into, I think, early second round range. I think 22 might be a little bit too high. He comes in in that again. You know, everybody's looking for those six foot tall, lengthy corners. He comes in, I think, at 5'11", 5'10", and change. All right, Ricky, uh, John and I both kind of agree on this one. The guy who's going to get the most touches for the Philadelphia Eagles coming out of the backfield this year is to be determined that he's not on the Eagle roster as of right now. And it could come via free agent signing or it could come via the draft. And we don't think they'll use any of their top three selections. They got a one and two twos, but sometime thereafter could be a running back selection for the Eagles knowing that that's where they're going to pick. So you could probably take the first handful of backs out of the equation, but not much more than that. How good a running back class is there in this year's draft? 
Well, well, thank you for shedding some light on the running back class. I can't tell you how many shows I do, and we don't ever talk about running backs. It's like it never even comes yeah. up, you know. And so for me, I have Trey Benson out of Florida State as my number one rated running back. Uh, I don't know if he gets chosen in the top 40 picks. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe Jonathan Brooks out of Texas gets chosen ahead of him, but he's got an ACL, and I don't think the Eagles want to wait a year for him to rehab back. Uh, the guys that I would be looking at really is, is in the day two range, Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. You know, you got a guy here who's going to come in probably around 240 pounds, six foot plus, and he's going to run in the 4-4 range. I mean, this guy is, you know, somebody that makes makes defenders make business decisions. So uh, Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin would be a guy that I like. And Marshall and Lloyd out of USC, day three. I think he has the ability to be that first and second down back was just ran with a nasty violence at the senior ball. Like this guy was just pissed off all week. You know, they do, they talk about angry runs. That's Marshawn Lloyd out of USC. I think he could be a first and second down back and he's got the, uh, the, the shimmy to kick it outside if need be. So uh, one more who was not invited to the combine. I think it's, um, very disrespectful. Blake Watson out of Memphis. I had a chance to see this young man against Temple late in the season, uh, slapped the mid-round grade on him. He was the Hula Bowl MVP. I saw him at the East-West Shrine Bowl. You know, Frank Gore's son had that big run in the game, so they gave him the MVP. The real MVP was Blake Watson out of Memphis that week and for the game. He did not receive a combine invite. Uh, this is one of my – I have him ranked at number 10 – I actually like him more than that, and he's not in Indianapolis. Remember that name, Blake Watson. Why does something like that happen, Rookie? Is it <clears throat> politics? Is it uh, more there than meets the eye? Why would a guy no. who plays well in the All-Star games? I know they didn't get him. They, they start to formulate the rosters before the All-Star game, and then if he's not in the mix, that they don't adjust. Yeah. Uh, how does something like that happen? So, so you know, and Jeff Foster does a great job. I don't want to knock the process, but one tweak or one change I would like to implement would be to extend or um, have a second wave of combine invites. Because basically what happens is every team gets a vote and they vote on every player. And Jeff Foster gets the 33rd vote. And usually the magic number is somewhere around 18 to 20 votes. If you get 20 votes, you usually get a combine invite. And so this is all conducted in December. So a guy like Blake Watson, he goes and blows up the all-star circuit. These votes are already conducted. Now, Brandon Thomas was the starting running back coming into the year. He got hurt in training camp. Here comes this transfer, Blake Watson, that nobody really expected much of anything. He tears it up. He starts, you know, getting these all-star game invites. Well, you know, not enough scouts went in there recruiting or, or scouting Blake Watson. So he didn't get enough votes to qualify and I think, you know, that's a, a small wrinkle in the pro process, I think, that needs to be ironed out. <clears throat> that's uh, interesting, Rick. That takes me down a route. I, I want to ask you about sort of these hybrid players. These uh, You mentioned uh, the safety, the Miami safety played at linebacker at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Um, is that, how did those decisions come about? Is that just sort of a group? Uh, the NFL says, we think this guy – you know, if there's enough votes, we think this guy's more of a linebacker. We want to see him there. Then you have the Brian Flores of the world who just play people all over the place anyway. How has yeah. that shifted or has it shifted things that much? 
I, I think I think it's case by case because like for James Williams, he came in at six foot three and four eight inches uh, measurements. Now, I think he played at 228, but he was 240 pounds at the senior bowl. So that tells me like, hey, they probably got him into that combine training facility, you know, maybe started testing him, saw the frame. And maybe it's an agent decision based on the feedback he's gathering from NFL scouts like, hey, you know what? Maybe he should pack on 10 pounds and be a you know fly around linebacker. I think also when you get down to the senior bowl, you do have scouts that put in a request with Jim Nagy and say, hey, uh, I'd like to see this player, you know, the, the the quarterback, Malik Cunningham. Yeah. Scouts wanted to see him play wide receiver at the senior bowl. He refused. He said, no, I'm a quarterback. Good fan. OK, so, you know, it, it, it's a case by case. The player might not be open to that. You know, I think Logan Thomas was a guy who was open to that because he knew if he wanted to extend his career, his best shot is going to be at tight end. A uh, couple other hybrid guys like Dylan Lawbay out of New Hampshire. Okay, yeah. This kid had 256 receiving yards in a game. Like he plays slot. He plays running back. He can return kicks. Uh, he's probably going to go day three because he's out of New Hampshire. Uh, but he hit 20 miles per hour, 20.4 on the catapult, one of the fastest players down at the senior bowl. Uh, is he a slot guy? Is he a running back? Remember Danny Woodhead? He's kind of one of those guys. Brandon Dorless from Oregon was playing defensive tackle and defensive end at the senior because he's he's like six foot three, right around 268, 270. So like, can he stay at defensive end? Sometimes it looks that way. Sometimes I feel like, you know what, maybe he should pack on. 10, 15 pounds and just use that twitch on the interior. So you do have guys, you know, back in the day, we used to call them tweeners. Yeah. Uh, now yeah. they, they refer to them more as hybrids. Uh, but I still think that guys like James Williams and and, and Dylan Lawbay, I think they get knocked because unless you have like Isaiah Simmons was a high draft pick, but they, they really didn't know how to use them. Nope. So nope. if you don't have a specific role, when you take somebody, I think that's where guys can get caught up, lost in the mix. Well, we were talking about Hassan, Hassan Reddick, and everything going on mm -hmm. with him and the trade market and the NFL. I mean, you said 13th pick in the draft, but, you know, you got teams saying he's an off-ball linebacker, he's, which was a big mistake by Arizona. Um, they didn't know what to do with him, and they took him 13th overall. Simmons the same way. Uh, great athletes and you try to figure it out it seems on the back end i don't know if that's the best way to go about things well you know you what that, that 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 actually reminds me of christian braswell out of alabama and edrin cooper out of texas a&m some people prefer prefer them as off-ball linebackers uh i i prefer edrin cooper especially out of texas a&m i think he could be a pass rusher at the next level. And I think there might be some teams that are kind of divided on those two guys. And maybe the Eagles see a little bit of Hassan Reddick in Braswell or Cooper. And, and that might be somebody they target, but those two guys came to mind as you're talking about Reddick coming out of temple. I yeah. do believe, uh, you know, he was on so many teams. Was it the Panthers or the Cardinals? I think he was an off ball linebacker. Then they figured yeah. out, Hey, let's, let's let him get after the quarterback. And, and even more recently, Micah, Micah Parsons. I mean, yes. how many teams wanted Micah Parsons? Jody knows. I take victory laps over that. I'm like, that guy's a rush. That guy's a pass rusher. But he exactly. had the short arms, and he's 6'2", or whatever. And, no, you got to be he's a great athlete moving to off-ball linebacker. I'm like, that's insane. That's insane. 
And by the way, if 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 Demarcus Lawrence doesn't get hurt, I think the Cowboys are still playing him at all ball linebacker. He's probably on his second contract somewhere else. As yeah. crazy as that is, yeah, and that's that's why I don't grade players by the length of their arms. That's the most ludicrous and ridiculous thing uh, today. All right, uh, another position I do want to touch on you because the Eagles need to draft someone at some point. They need a third wide receiver. Their first two wide receivers are phenomenal, but we've had our fill of Quez Watkins over the last several years. They'll yeah. probably sign another free agent, not high-priced, one-year, make-good contract like they did with Alameda this past year, take another poke and hope there, see if they can do better. But they need to find a young wide receiver that can be part of the wide receiver mix going forward the last couple of years, it had to be about Quez because, oh, you need that speed guy to keep the top off the defense, to keep the others playing honest. Yeah, it was a mistake. It has been a mistake. Continues to be a mistake. Can they get it right this time? But if they're still married to you, got to have speed as your third wide receiver, which I'm not, but they probably will be if Sirianni's going to be uh, significantly involved in the offense. Who are the speed guys who are going to be day three picks at the earliest yeah quez watkins what was that commercial parquet can't believe it's not butter did i get that right yeah uh <laughs> so you know speed listen lad mcconkey no relation lad, to georgia by the way Ooh. georgia georgia yeah. and and i'll tell you what man didn't he, didn't he play himself into day two though He's he's not going to day three. I'm talking day three. The Eagles are not taking again. Jody McDonald. I I will say this: when I do my mock draft and I get to the Kansas City Chiefs at 32, Lad McConkey. You think he's going in the first round? I got Lad McConkey going to the Chiefs. That'd be. I I think I think he might be the fastest player in Indianapolis this week. Xavier Worthy out of Texas should give him a run for his money. He's been timed in the 4-2 range, uh, has a little bit of Hollywood Brown, I think, to his game, that is, Xavier Worthy. Uh, Roman Wilson out of Michigan, I think, you know, doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, his acceleration and burst, when you talk about three-cone and short shuttle, right, the, everybody focuses on the 40. But if you want to know about change of direction and burst and, and the ability to separate, Watch Roman Wilson's three cone times and short shuttle. That is going to tell you something. And I think that guy is going to be an excellent slot receiver, uh, probably round two, maybe early day uh, round three. Roman Wilson, I, I don't know what he's going to run, but he'll be up there. And then Troy Franklin out of Oregon, you know, he's kind of the forgotten guy. Everybody talks about Harrison Neighbors or Dunze up top. Troy Franklin, I think, is somebody who's a first-round wide receiver, as is Brian Thomas Jr. You know, listen – Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors are not going to do any of the uh, workouts. In fact, Marvin Harrison didn't even do combine training. He's not going to work out of this pro day right. either. He's just day. coming in to shake hands and do his medical. Hey, nice to meet you. And he's nice, opened the door nice up. work if you can get it. You know, everybody, <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to do anything. Basically. Yeah, so, so that leaves the door open. This Brian Thomas Jr., I think, has a real opportunity here to showcase his size, his speed, his explosiveness. So, again, like 22 could get real interesting if the Eagles really want to add a playmaker. But I do I do like the depth here with the wide receiver class. I think you're going to find some value in the middle rounds. 
Uh, nobody talks about tight end here in Philly, right? Because Dallas yeah. Goddard is a great tight end. But if you look at history, uh, the Eagles drafted Dallas Goddard in the second round when they had Zach Ertz, who was 29 at the time. Dallas Goddard, 29. And they don't have anybody behind him. Jack Stoll's restricted. They're probably going to not tender him, bring him back at a lesser number. But he's just a blocking guy. Grant Alcatara hasn't shown much. They did bring back uh, Albert Akwegbanan, but he didn't do anything after being picked up. Any any tight ends in that third-round range? So you're thinking third-round compensatory pick. It'll be at the end of the round, 90s, uh, a 97, yeah. 98, somewhere in that range. Any tight ends? It's not a great tight end draft after Bowers, but um, anybody get there with some upside. Yeah, after Bowers, you got uh, Sanders out of Texas, Jatavion Sanders, probably round two. Eric All out of Iowa, who was injured all year, might sneak into the to the day two range. Um, but I like Ben Sanat out of Kansas State, uh, maybe a more athletic Jack Stoll. I think this is the best dual uh, combination tight end in the draft in terms of being able to block and catch. I think he proved himself capable as a pass catcher. Now, had a couple drops down in Mobile. Other than that, looked pretty good. So I'll probably go back if I'm the Eagles, watch the film, see how much, how often that shows up. The other guy is Cade Stover out of Ohio State. Uh, very similar to Sanat. Very good blocker. Isn't going to hurt you in the passing uh, attack. So I think those are two guys that, you know, the Eagles would look at in, in the middle rounds. And then if you want a late round kind of like stash on the roster and see where they go, Theo Johnson. Not too far away at Penn State. He's a big six foot four, six foot five uh, target, a little bit raw on the route running, needs to polish up his blocking. But if you can kind of bring that all together, this is a guy with huge upside, doesn't have to come in and start right away, but he can learn from a Dallas Goder to Theo Johnson out of Penn State. And then Isaac Rex from BYU, who I saw at the East West Shrine Bowl and was also a combine snub. You talk about a guy that's just a red zone weapon. I don't know if he gets drafted or not, but he's one of the top 10 tight ends in my book for this year's draft class. All right. Uh, I'm going to lay this out for you right here, right now. You're not going to be held to this. I'm asking you on the last day of February, you can certainly change your mind between day one of the NFL draft and now rank the top three quarterbacks for me. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to ask me for an Eagles pick. Top three uh, quarterbacks for me. Um, you know, this one uh, is hard for me because I think the the separation of these three young men are really going to be in the personality and the DNA. And that's where, you know, I don't struggle if I'm Chicago because I, it, I've already read the tea leaves. Like, if Justin Fields was your guy, right? You've got 48 starts. He's 10 and 38. He started 50 games. He's in your building. Like if you thought if you had conviction that this is the guy you're going to roll with, it would have been real easy for Ryan Poles to just say that. So it tells me they're going to trade Justin Fields. And to me, like I like everything more about Caleb Williams except the personality. And I haven't met Caleb Williams. I only know what I've seen on TV, but I've got real questions. And I want to sit down with this young man and really find out like what he's about, because the coaches it was like having an NFL quarterback on the team. He made $10 million in NIL money last yeah, year. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, this is a new, this is a new, yeah, I mean, 
I think I told this story on, on Jody's show the other night. Like I'm talking to a cornerback in the tropical bowl. There's no shot of getting drafted, but he made $150,000 in NIL. He's got all the answers. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. That's the mentality of these guys. But in terms of just pure talent, I think Caleb Williams is the top five potential quarterback in five years. So that to me is number one. Drake May, I'm going to put number two because I do believe right now he can step in and play. I think he's as good as it gets in terms of being game ready. Uh, you know, you're going to take some bumps and bruises, I think, with, with, with some of the learning curve early on. But I think long run, he's going to be able to stabilize that commander's football program if they stand pat. Number three, you know, I flip flop with May and, and Jaden Daniels. When you talk about upside and long-term growth, it's funny. Jaden Daniels is several years older, but I think he's he's just finally starting to come into his own after that, what, six-year college career. But, I mean, his best football is ahead of him. And when you take a look at where the NFL is trending, you know, yeah. I was listening, I was listening to uh, John Harbaugh the other uh, yesterday. He said, well, we were ahead of the curve with Lamar Jackson. Now the NFL is catching on. Well, Jaden Daniels has everything that teams are looking for, size, uh, athleticism, the ability to make all the throws, <laughs> consistency maybe not as good. But, you know, to me, I think da Daniels has as great of upside as any quarterback in this year's draft. So that's going to be my one, two, and three right now. I, I think if it, everything stands put, that's how we'll see it. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a supply and demand league, and I think half, half the league would like to upgrade the quarterback position. Yeah, that's right, true. So, uh, close. You're saying there's not a great separation between all three of them, but you're going Williams, May, and uh, the Heisman Trophy winner third. I'm going to keep track of it. You know, we're going to have you on like 20 yeah. times between now and the draft. And I'm a so, I'm a big Jaden Daniels guy. I'm off. I'm I'm a big Jaden Daniels uh, guy. Last, last week, last week, him. last week Daniels was two. This week's yeah. uh, May. We'll see what next week holds. At Rick Saratella, make sure you follow Rick. Uh, see it right there on the screen on X, Twitter, doing some great work with the Boston Sports Journal. Greg Bedard up there does tremendous stuff. Doc, Dr. Jessica Flynn works there. She, we get her on the show. She's tremendous, uh, Rick. Good. So uh, you do great work there. I mentioned the Edmonton Elks. I gotta, I gotta remember. I always wanted to fall to ask. Up, up. Get, get, get your winter jackets yeah. ready. Edmonton Elks, I expect some swag uh, from the yes. Edmonton Elks, Rick Saratella. Um, and I'll end it with, since Jody went to quarterbacks, I want your thoughts on, because he wasn't asked to do much, so I want your thoughts on J.J. McCarthy, where he's going to land, and um, Eagles pick at 22, give us one. Give us your early uh, pick at 22. Yeah, so I think J.J. McCarthy – has the, the the Denver Broncos written all over him. I think he's a top 10 quarterback. I know that he wasn't asked to do as much as some of the, these other signal callers, but in, in as far as I'm concerned, I'm not concerned about the size. I think he can make all the throws. I think he has the it factor when you talk about intangibles and leadership and the leader of men. I like what J.J. McCarthy brings to the table. I'm a believer in J.J. McCarthy. So that's four quarterbacks that I like in this year's draft. Uh, in terms of the Eagles, you know, just based on their track record, I think I think a pass rusher is in the mix. Leitu, Latu or, or, or uh, you know, Chop Robinson, I think I keep going back to as a potential candidate for the Eagles. However, 
I do not rule out Howie Roseman trading up. We saw it with Jordan Davis when he identifies a guy he likes. Oh, yeah. When you're on Mitchell, moved up for Jalen Carter. Does it all the time. Moved up for Devontae Smith. Yeah. yeah always. I, I, I could see I could see Quinion Mitchell being the guy they target and trade up for in round one if they do go that route. But if they stand pat, I, I, I think, you know, edge rusher is probably where I'm leaning. Fair enough. Uh, and, oh, by the way, for uh, – Mr. McCarthy, the quarterback. I know John thinks highly of Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. Yesterday, Compton to Alex Smith. For me, that's Alex not, won a lot of games, but that's yeah. but that's not a compliment. I'm sorry, Alex Smith was the number one pick in the draft. If you look up system quarterback in the uh, dictionary, it's not going to have Brock Purdy's picture. It's going to have Alex Smith. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done picture he is a system quarterback he is a game manager and if that's jj mccarthy's uh comparison for his nfl career well when people could not be going in the first they're not they're not comping their careers though i think you got to be careful there's just well uh, let me let me let me look at it this way though if alex smith at you know I say in his prime, at the end of his career, he was playing. Yeah, he was football. really good. If he was he still was in the really league, good. how many teams would Alex Smith be starting for today? Yeah. He, he, people forget when Alex figured it out, man. I mean, he had that run with San Francisco and Kansas City yeah. where he was winning games, winning games. But I hear what Jody's saying. There's, yeah. you never felt that they were a Super Bowl contender, but man, they won a lot of games. They really did. Um, and I think he gets too much hate. Um, so, you know, but that's I, I hear what Jody's saying. There's a ceiling. And if you're picking a quarterback in the top 10, you probably want that ceiling to be a little bit higher. I, I'd agree with that. Yes. Good luck to whoever takes him. Um, if he's got Alex Smith's career headed that way, uh, that's I, I wouldn't be using a top 10 pick on that type of quarterback. Uh, Rick Sabatella, go enjoy the workouts in Indianapolis today. Thank you much for jumping in. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. We'll be picking your brain all the way to April, buddy. Thank you, Mac and Mac. The Thanks, Rick. creator of the NFL Draft Bible and uh, allaccessfootball.com. Rick Sabatella here with us on Birds 365. All right, folks, how about I do you a favor? Uh, Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now for one of Jacob's Sports. Great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of their two managing general partners, Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, managing partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. 
Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Mac here with Young Bird 365. It is a Combine Wednesday. Uh, they're actually going to get, excuse me, Thursday. They're actually going to get out there on the field and do some stuff. Everybody's just been medical testing and meetings and the like since uh, Monday. But they're actually going to get uh, defensive players, linebackers, and D-linemen out onto the field. Should be fun. And we're going to have Randy Mueller, ex-NFL executive, NFL executive of the year formerly as well. Uh, from youlookfootball.com, going to jump on with us in just over 10 minutes from now. Um, Johnny Mac, you asked Ricky about uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., who met officially with the Eagles yesterday. Like I said, the players are there. They just haven't started working out yet, but some have taken advantage and been able to get meetings with specific teams, and uh, Jeremiah Trotter did meet with the Eagles. I like the player. And I just told you earlier the whole, oh, his arm length isn't enough to uh, justify playing him at a specific position. 
I think he's crazy. If you can see the guy can get it done, why would you not? We can't do it because he can't. His arm doesn't stretch out. Well, we can't project him to be able to do it in the NFL. Silliness. Um, but I'm going to go down a similar road here. I like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I watch him play because he's uh, Jeremiah's son and Clemson's on TV all the time. And he is just a stone cold playmaker for my money. But he is legitimately undersized. And if the Eagles are still very much married to Nicobe Dean, which I'm glad they are because I like the player and I think he's had a couple of bad breaks with injuries and the like um, and hope that he can stay healthy and up his game next year and become a major contributor. But he is also a little undersized for the linebacker position in the National Football League. Can the Eagles actually play? dueling linebackers jeremiah trotter and nicobe dean together if they were to take trotter with a second round pick pair those two together in vic fangio's defense or would that be taking a risk because both guys are a little undersized for the nfl um i think that's the way the league's going um you know you have more and more of these hybrid players we were talking about with rick uh, a lot of safeties nick nick morrow played safety in college uh, he was undersized so at times you had um nick morrow and kobe dean uh in that thought process the eagles were thinking about it never ended up that way because of injuries and and things of that nature uh cunningham was a bigger option if you go back the year prior they had the the bigger option with TJ Edwards and the undersized guy. I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility because a lot of teams do it. And a lot of teams have undersized linebackers now. And you keep waiting for that domino to fall. And you see it late in the season where teams, especially in poor weather games and, and bad situations, will try to run the football downhill, try to take advantage of undersized players. But, for most of the season, they don't try to do it. So I think you can get away with it. Um, so I wouldn't say it precludes them uh, from drafting him, um, but it would concern me. But, you know, I, I mentioned that entering in the 2022 season about Hassan Reddick being undersized on the edge and Kaiser White being undersized and um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson not being much of a run support player from the safety but didn't didn't hurt the Eagles at all. Um so yeah, I think that's the way the NFL's going. So I don't I don't think that would stop them if they like the player and say, well he's got to be 245 like his or 260, whatever Jer- his dad was. That, that doesn't exist. You're no. less oh, no, that no, no, doesn't no, exist. No. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. And I'll I'll use a uh, favorite Johnny Mackism. Nobody worries about stopping the run until they have to stop the run, and that I think is evidenced on draft day every once in a while, where they go, "Yeah, hey, we'll worry about the run later. We need a player. We need an athlete. We need someone with traits. We need to reach it." And then when they get handled and they're uh, proven to be a little undersized, it becomes a bit of an issue down the road. But I, I just I like the player. So I don't want to be dissuaded from the Eagles potentially going for him just because of size, because I think he can uh, flat out play. We shall see. Um, one other thing I didn't want to run by you, uh, Mac Man, was ESPN came out with its analytics list. 
And you know, I chided ESPN all year long for their power ranking index because it was done purely by just number crunching and didn't factor in actual results on the field as far as I was concerned. And it was kind of foolish um, that they didn't have Kansas City and or the Eagles at the top all year long. Um, and sure enough, the Chiefs end up winning it again. They eventually went to number one. Nice job. Wait till after Super Bowl's over, then make them the number one team. Um, but they came out with their analytics yesterday of ranking players and the like. And Eagles offensive line is still top in the National Football League. Across the board, number one in a lot of run blocking categories, like Lane Johnson, number one run blocking tackle in all of football. Number two, Jordan Mylia, the number two tackle in run blocking across the National Football League. Uh, and uh, Dick uh, Dickerson inside was number one guard running back. If they've got these numbers and they got these ratings, John, and again, uh, we uh, just finished saying about you don't worry about stopping the run. A lot of teams don't worry about running the ball either until they really need to run the ball. If the Eagles are still that highly rated as the number one running team, should the Eagles actually put an emphasis on? Oh, now you're, now. No, they shouldn't. They should do what they do. I mean, look, I you know, the teams that do that have to do it. And I, I talk about margin of error a lot. And where, where Jeffrey Lurie is correct, um, and Jeffrey got high rankings as an owner, as he should um, in the NFLPA report cards. But, you know, this is a passing league now. Do I like it? No, not necessarily. The the old school football fans like it. The Philadelphia football fans, a lot of them don't like it, but that's the reality. And if you have a high octane passing offense, you have more margin of error. If you're trying to grind it out and you're trying to win football games in an old school mentality, you might do it occasionally, but you're not going to do it consistently, especially when you got coaches like Dan Campbell going forward on fourth down and putting that pressure on you, which didn't exist in the past, is not going to punt the football away. Um, all of a sudden, you get back, for, you're, you're behind by two scores, and then you're not a good passing team, and you want to stay disciplined and run the football, margin of error shrinks. Um so I think the Eagles have, when they're cooking, which obviously they weren't late in the season, but if you go back to 2022, they had the best of both worlds. They had a high-octane passing offense, and they were able to run the football effectively. That's where you want to be. That's where you want to be. And I don't fault the Eagles at all for striving to be there. And... It's one of the reasons Kellen Moore is here. He's a, he's a high-octane passing guy, and that's what they want, and that's what they should want. And that's certainly possible with the talented players they have. And, again, I know Jalen had a step-back year. doesn't mean he can't have a step-forward year again next year, and they've got two of the most talented wide receivers in the National Football League. Goddard's got to uh, have a better year than he had this past year. I get it. That That's their bread and butter. That's what they are best at. That's where they have the most talent at. Except when I see stats like, you know, they got the best two tackles in run blocking in the National Football League as rated analytically by SPF. Do you, do you try and put a square peg in a round hole? 
because passing is the way things are going in the National Football League? Or do you need to say, well, but what do we do best? What are our strengths? I've always said that that's the most easily definable sign of a great coach. He works with what he's got. He doesn't say, this is my system, and we're going to run our system, and if you can't do it in my system, then we'll find somebody to replace you. Well, sometimes that's easier said than done with contracts and everything else. Um, the best coaches can just take a little from column A, a little from column B, and put it all together and use the strength of the players that they have combined with their commitment to specific ways of playing the game. Those are the best coaches. I have no feeling about the Eagles coming into this year. Other than I think they've assembled a, a, a better coaching staff than they had last year. But I don't know what the relationship's going to be like between Kellen Moore and, and Nick Sirianni. No, I don't think anybody. That's going to be the story of the season. Uh, that 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 That's going to be the, the whole thing. That's going to be it. Uh, I mean, they need to approve defensively. And obviously that has to do with uh, personnel and I, as I said, I think Vic will have them more prepared and they'll be better and they'll make less mistakes and all that kind of thing. But there's a limitation there because they just don't have significant talent on the back end. And I don't know if you can remake that one off season, how he's going to try, but I don't, you're going to have to hit, you're going to have to hit on basically every decision you make. Um, and maybe it's guys having bounced back years like James Bradbury and things of that nature. Uh, but you're a lot of things are going to uh, go right. Offensively, they're loaded. They're still loaded. So you talk talent. about running back. You know they have the best run blocking tackles. Well, guess what? They have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. It's not like they can't throw the ball. You know they they got they got impact players on offense all over the place. They just have to figure it out. And by the way, they were number eight in total offense. Number seven in points per game, number three in third down offense, number one in fourth down offense, number nine in red zone offense. They were top 10 in every meaningful offensive category. And that wasn't good enough because there wasn't style points. And I get it. And, and they ended up terribly. But they did not have a bad offense. Now, if they had a bad offense in Tampa Bay without A.J. Brown, people should think about that. Because they're not the same team when he's not on the field. No, and I've been talking about that since he got here, Jody. He has been that good. Um, and if they don't have him and those who think, oh, you can trade eight. No, you're not, they're, they're not trading AJ Brown. Just don't even bother. Don't even contemplate it. But they are contemplating trading Hassan Reddick, which I still don't agree with. Uh, we'll run that. That's one of the many things we're going to run by our next guest. I see he's ready to join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. Former NFL GM executive of the year, Randy Mueller, going to join us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. 
One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365, and we're lucky enough to have Randy Mueller from us. Um, his website, foot, uh, MuellerFootball.com, a must for all you football fans out there. And he does a podcast for the Athletic uh, Football GM podcast. Randy, um, let me start here. Did you ask John McVeigh if he had time to play golf this week? I'm just <laughs> get out and spend some time on the links with John McVeigh since he's not actually going to be in uh, Indianapolis. What are your thoughts on the trend in the National Football League to – it isn't a necessity anymore. We can send out a couple of scouts, get all the tape, get all the info that we need, come back and crunch our numbers. We don't really need to go out and mingle with other executives, other coaches, and have access uh, immediately to the players. Is that the? Uh, it's certainly a trend. Is it right. a new wave that's going to overtake the NFL? Well, I think it's always been an issue. Is how you how do you spend your time? I think it's a sometimes a struggle for these younger coaches to come here and spend um, the amount of downtime that they have in that you mentioned it, it's going from event to event. It's struggling sometimes to, to uh, figure out time to get with your own people. Plus there's, there's things going on football wise with regard to new installations, uh, reviewing the prior year. There are a lot of things. Now, I think some of these coaches really enjoy the face-to-face time they get with the prospects, but, not to make an excuse for, for Sean and some of these other guys, they're going to get some of that. They will get plenty of interview time. They're going to bring the top prospects in. They get to visit guys straight in their own office. 
So they're not going to give up a bunch of uh, advantages that others are going to get for, for being here. And frankly, the workouts are probably the least important thing of the whole week. So I think they're going to gain the medical information by still by not being here. The Zoom interviews they get, they're going to have recordings of all that stuff. So they're not really giving up a lot, except uh, that they have to leave their own office. Yeah. Now, the medical testing, I think we all know that's by far the most important uh, part of the combine, Randy, but you, you yeah. mentioned the on-field stuff, and is that more validation at this stage, or 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 maybe you see an outlier, maybe somebody really shows up, and you go back to look at the yeah. film. How important is that for for executives and coaches at this high level of position? Obviously, it's big for fans; so that's what they can see. Right. But for them, how how much how important is it? I think you're right. I think as a whole, and the league may not want to hear this, but they have been behind the scenes pushing it. This it's really a content-driven week now. That's really what it is. Yeah. But the but the information that you glean from the field workouts are just what you said, John. It is if somebody jumps out that I didn't really have a good feel about, it does send me back to the film room. These teams are not raising cards based on what they see in workouts or in pro days for that matter. They're not moving people around on the board per se. It's part of the entirety of that evaluation process for that player. You're building a file. And yes, this is part of it, but you, you said it, the, the overwhelming majority of the best information gathered here is all from a medical standpoint. And I've stated a few holiday ends, but I'm no doctor, so I'm going to let those guys handle that. <laughs> Very good. Um, we had uh, our buddy Rick Saratella from the NFL Draft Bible on hour number one, and he told the tale of being at one of the All-Star games this year, and there was a player there who got invited to an All-Star game but didn't get the combine invite, made like $150,000 in NIL money this year, and was talking like he's the best cornerback eligible for the draft this year except he couldn't even get a combine invite um, <laughs> that he, some of these guys are benefiting and more power to them. I'm not looking to shortchange anybody. If you get yourself a good NIL deal, go for it, big guy. But it inflates their uh, own self-worth in their own mind. I'm sorry. You can't get that sitting at home in your office. If you're a general manager or a coach, you get out, you get to see a man, even if it's just for a couple minutes, you get to spend a, a couple minutes with him, you can formulate an opinion on what type of personality a guy has. Aren't they missing out on that if they're not uh, in Indianapolis? Well, there's there's things they're missing for sure, but I think they think the process itself will help them gather those missing ingredients. And, and I'll be honest, I don't disagree. I understand that everybody should be here. There are certain coaches, hey, Andy Reid's here, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Pete Carroll was here every year. I think their purpose for being here is as much about team building within their own building as it is to, to uh, build players and acquire talent. This is a great time for coaches to get a chance to catch up with scouts, with personnel guys, with other things. Most of these teams have their draft boards initially set already. So they've already had their draft meetings. They, they've done that in February. They've had, obviously, free agent meetings. Because as a GM or a decision maker, I want all that information sooner than later. And the combine will sure fill in some blanks on. But I think it's more, like John said, gaining some advantages to players who you weren't as familiar with or had less consensus on that what you see here sends you back to the film room. I'll just give you an example of to help make your point for you. Pete Carroll really felt like 
by being here and having 60 interviews face-to-face where the player is five feet away from you, that that player would then get a great vibe for that team, for that uh, team building, for the, the, the really the way that, let's just use the Seahawks, in, for example, treat their players. That's important to him. That's more of, I think, a recruiting background from a college-first coach who really wants to make an impression on these players. I don't think these new age coaches really care that much about recruiting because it's really not a recruiting league per se. That is college. So maybe there's something there, depending on your background as a coach, maybe that determines if you think this is valuable as a recruiting type tool. Yeah. And we got uh, Nick Sirianni here in Philadelphia and he famously got shotted for playing rock, paper, scissors, trying to gauge people's competitiveness and nerf basketball. But yeah, everybody's got a different style. So I think it can work a lot of different ways. Uh, Jody's point about NIL starts number one overall, Randy, and you wrote about this at the athletic uh, did a great job athletic.com on, on what Ryan Poles can do. I think everybody's centered on, well, he's probably going to trade Justin Fields, take Caleb Williams at number one, but he can do a lot of different things, especially if they like one of the other quarterbacks. Um, with Caleb Williams, we all know the talent. He made more than a lot of NFL quarterbacks, and, and yes. that's never happened before. This is a first. If you were in that situation, if you were Ryan Poles, how do you handle a prospect who made upwards over $10 million last year how does that affect your decision-making, or does it? Or do you just have to rely on just trying to get to know the kid as much as possible? Well, I think the whole NIL cloud comes with pros and cons, and Jody mentioned the, the negative to it. It can inflate egos. It can inflate people's self-awareness. I think that is an issue. But the other good thing I think it can do is these guys are pros before you even get them. One of the reaching and connecting of dots for me that was always an issue is What's going to happen to this young man when he gets given a pile of money? Is it going to change him? How is he going to affect, you know, the people around him with this money? Um, I think now the NIL age kind of gives you those answers a year or two ahead of time before you get them at the pro level. So I think it comes with pros and cons. I think how they these guys are are managing are being managed by teams of marketing people now and, and others at the college level that's an indicator of how they're going to manage it at the next level. So I do think it gives you some answers. It, it, it comes with some negatives as, as well. And I'll follow up on the point that you made, Randy, uh, that you said Coach Carroll always made the ability to maybe at least on just a short-term basis bond with a player for the couple minutes you get to interview him in life. There are 321 players in the combine. There are 270-some-odd players that are going to be drafted. I'll do the math for you. There's 50 guys guaranteed in Indianapolis this week to not get drafted because they've got more yeah. guys showing up at the combine than they're actually going to have a draft. Well, now you get into undrafted free agents. And if you have a relationship with a player, maybe it gives you a little bit of an edge if it comes to a guy you want to try and sign after the draft is over and done with. Very great point, and I agree. And that's when it can be a recruiting factor. And that's when meeting in a room like that can pay off. Again, I think it's it's the college um, past that helps people like Pete Carroll deal with this. And I think that's a great point because players do have choices then, and it may lead to you getting a player or two because of an interview or a connection that maybe not the head coach, but a scout made or a, an intern made anybody with a player like this on the down the road. Guys. The only thing that where that is a negative is in the formal interviews 
you only get, I believe it's 60 of those. So you may not get those undrafted college kids, but it is a chance to spend time with them out and away from those formal interviews, whether it's in a group setting. Um, these groups are being led around Indy. Part of the process is they come by physician, as you guys know, and they get led through in groups. I always like to have one of our scouts be a leader of one of those groups because it gained, we gained some information having a scout with that group 24-7 for the whole time they're here. So you really get to know these players, and some of those might be listed 200 instead of 20 on your board. So it's a, it's it's ongoing, gathering information on these guys all the time. I always like to tell these players, you're on stage 24-7, so you better be on your best behavior, yeah. and you're being yeah. evaluated no matter what you're doing. It doesn't necessarily mean that only what's on tape. You're being evaluated as a person the minute you show up. Yeah. How you treat people, how you, yeah, how you yep. interact with people all comes into it. Um, you know, the, the coaches and GMs that are there, Randy, I always find it interesting, the combine, because they, they talk at the combine, they're at the podium and nothing is going on, right? Free agency starts March 13th. Well, you know, March 11th, you can start to negotiate. We know everything starts in Indianapolis. Um, they don't want to tell us anything, the reporters, uh, but they got to go up there and talk. Here in Philadelphia, one of the big stories is the Eagles uh, granted Hassan Reddick permission uh, to seek a trade. So from a GM's perspective, to us that looks like, all right, you know, we think your value's here. You think it's higher. Go out and see what other teams think. Hopefully we can work something out. Is there anything more to that philosophy or that strategy of when you do something like that with a proven veteran player who's probably outperformed, not probably, has outperformed his contract? Without a doubt. I think there's always a message being sent, and, and I know how I well enough to know that he's got some meaning behind when he allows somebody to do something like that. I think two things in this case. One, you might want the other teams, and I'm not saying this in Reddick's case, and, and I agree with you, his assessment really high he's a good player but sometimes you would let a player shop his own wares to maybe bring back the message of i really wasn't aware that some people didn't think i was the greatest thing in the world so you want others to deliver that message as part of the negotiation you don't have to be the bad guy to do that. the other thing is when you look at free agency this year there are a bunch of really good edge players a bunch of guys yeah. who do exactly what hassan reddick does so i think there's always options out there, and, and a smart GM like Howie is always going to play those cards, at least to uh, research them. Uh, hey, there's Bryce Huff with the Jets. There's there's uh, uh, others. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of the free agents. Josh Jonathan Allen, Grinder. Is Josh Allen going to make the uh, – I don't think Josh yeah. Allen, Brian Burns, Brian I don't think Burns they're going to be available. They're going to get tagged. out there. Yeah, Jonathan Grinnard from Texans, yeah. um, Kadarius Smith from the Browns. There's a bunch of players that are really good at that position. So, And I'm not saying that's how he's motive, but it is all about options. And when you pay a player, it's usually because you have similar options that are going to make you step down a, a, a level or two, and nobody wants to two steps back when switching players like that. But it is definitely part of the negotiating process to, to allow players to, if nothing else, kind of gauge their own value. Randy, if I've asked you this question in previous years leading up to the draft, I apologize for asking it again, but I think it's a worthwhile question. And uh, if I haven't asked you before, I'm very much looking forward to your answer. 
when you were the GM, when you were in charge of the draft and uh, putting all your scouts together and coming up with a consensus when the draft came around, was there a coach in college football, be it either head coach, most likely head coach, or even a coordinator uh, at a specific school with a specific, where you got a couple of players to come through that school and they were very good and, you, and they were well coached and they were mature and they understood the way the football was supposed to be played. Was there a coach in college that you looked at and said, well, if I'm taking a player from his program, this is one thing I'm not going to have to worry about. I know that he's going to be that type of a player. Was there a coach that got an extra Randy Mueller check mark? Because uh, if I, you took a player from his program, you knew that you were getting the goods. Well, there's no doubt there's programs that prepare players for the NFL better than others. And sometimes it's as simple as systems. And, and, and you mentioned coaches, but it's really what they these coaches ask these players to do. But yes, I think, and everybody always now in hindsight says, I want a player that Nick Saban coached in because he, we know he got thick skin. We yeah. know he's been fundamentally sound. And, and that was always the case for me as well. I mean, I think the bigger programs now, you've got to be careful with the um, sourcing that you do at these bigger programs because they're protecting their players above and beyond. So there's a little bit of an agenda there when you do do intangible searching and, and probing for what makes a player tick. But I've always thought that Nick's group, uh, I know on defense exactly how they've been coached. I know what they've been asked to do. The other, There's also a downside to that too is have these – players been maxed out already because they have been coached so well. So I don't know that, you know, you can say that all Alabama guys uh, are going to get better because their platform when they start with you is higher. Sometimes you have more potential and it's better to see someone's inadequacies, but think you can change them to elevate in your scheme. Yeah. Yeah. To something different. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, uh, I didn't know Jody was going there, but the, piggyback off it uh what he what he was asking you there randy the 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 college environment in general now we all know it it's not their job necessarily to prepare people for the nfl so some guys are just coaching for their jobs and they're trying to win football games on saturday and now you have the transfer portal where everybody's moving around all over the place from year to year to year so a lot of times you don't get a good gauge of what a player might be in a certain system they're bouncing around. Is that something, you know, the old adage control what you can control, or would you prefer some, a prospect who spent three years at a certain school versus somebody who goes from college to college to college? How would that affect your evaluation of a particular player? It's definitely part of the process. And this is just my personal feeling. I don't think, John, that you can get great at your craft when you're memorizing a new defense or a new offense and have done it multiple times. I didn't feel like as a player, I got better until I really knew the scheme, really knew the system, really knew what was going to be asked of me from play to play and kind of was the coach on the field for, say, if you were a quarterback somewhere. So I want, I would probably prefer guys who are in a system to stay in that system get good at what they're being asked to do, and then they can elevate their craft. I think if you jump around as a player, it's not a great position to be in because, yeah, maybe you have a little more playtime over here, but at the same time, I think your craft then takes a step back because you have to memorize a whole new set of 
responsibilities, a whole new scheme. You're being taught a total different way. And there's a period of adjustment. I don't know if that makes sense, but I would prefer a guy to, to get really good at what he does in one spot before he jumps around. And maybe some of these guys have that in mind, but I know I, just personally, I, I, I didn't get better until I really had a, a foundation for what the coaches were asking. And sometimes that takes two or three years. Following up on what John just asked, players who come to the combine and go, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. It'd be a run, be a throw, be a lift. Uh, Marvin Harrison has lately said, listen, I'm not going to do any drills because I'm prepped for any drills. I'm prepping for being an NFL player next year. I'll come out, I'll shake hands. You can take your uh, medical measurements on me, but I'm not doing anything. Did you accept that as his decision? Did you frown on it from an evaluation standpoint because he doesn't want to compete? Do you understand that, hey, there's more downside than upside, and if I had the same choice to make for myself, I'd do the same thing they would. How would you look at a player who shows up in Indianapolis but says, I'm not going to do the drills? Yeah, I think it's clearly on a one-on-one depends perspective. I do think this, and I do understand, I think the Marvin Harrison case, and you mentioned he's not going to run at the Combine, but I'm not sure that he's going to run ever. And that is a red flag for me. If he decides not to run at his workout day saying, I'm just going to play football. Scouts are conditioned to say and, and to believe this. And most of the time it's true. Guys that can run, want to run. run. Guys that can't run fast, don't want to run. And so that's always a factor as well. So there'll be some challenges to that stance if that's what he takes. I truly understand quarterbacks. In fact, I wrote this for The Athletic Today. When quarterbacks come to Indian, don't throw. If I'm a top-rated quarterback, I'm not really going to put myself out there because I think you the risk reward doesn't isn't isn't fair. the the risk is that you're throwing to players that you don't know, you don't know the routes you're going to run. It's a foreign. It's like going throwing passes in the park of guys that are neighbor kids just showing up throwing to. You're going to have a lot of misses because these guys are going to run routes that are crazy. Uh, the ball's not going out on time ever. I just think they stand to, to gain blame for this at the quarterback position. At other positions, I don't know that it ever hurts to work out. And, and yeah, you can say you don't train for the drills. Well, the drill work is different than the three cone and the shuttles and all that. I can understand not doing all that stuff, but I'm going to come catch passes and run routes. Those are things I've been doing my whole life. So there's, there's kind of pros and cons depending on the, uh, where do you probe into these workouts and how much is valuable for players, how much I'm putting my risk on my future if I'm a, a prospect, kind of just depends, I guess, is the short answer. Um, there aren't a lot of guys that can do what Marvin Harrison Jr. could do and get away with it, though. Is there a point where you're you're so good a prospect, you're so clean a prospect, maybe you can get away with that? And, and people are going to say... Well, you might have a thought, that, as you just said, if you can run, you like to run. You might have those thoughts, but then you put on the film and say, all right, this is Marvin Harrison Jr. is pretty good. Is that going to affect his status all that much? And I, I there aren't a lot. Of, in, in other words, Randy, there's not a lot of guys who can do that. So do you, do you take that into account when you say somebody maybe – maybe isn't as competitive, however you want to phrase it, as you would hope, he still has that work on the film. 
That can be the case. I think in this case, if that is the theory, I think he's miscalculated because I've seen these other receivers. And I know for a fact that they're going to build teams. Yeah. yeah, it is a great receiver group. And I think three of them are going to go in probably the top 10 or 12. So there is a thin margin between him and others. In fact, like I said, this is just my opinion. I might prefer the Washington kid at Duze. Uh, yeah. Neighbors at LSU is going to be thought to be the best in some eyes because he's the fastest as a whole bunch. So there are, uh, depending on who you ask and your, what your favorite flavor is, it's not a consensus around the league. Now, I know the media would like us to believe that Marvin Harrison is a, a generational player, and that gets thrown out. And, and I'm yeah, I hate that term. That. Wait, yeah, yeah. Once in a generation, <laughs> a generation means once yeah. in a generation. He's, he's one of three in this draft, and I don't yeah. think it's a slam dunk that he's the first. So I think that some of these decisions you make might have – a little bit of a drag down effect because of that. Um, Randy, I know we specifically got you on to talk about the draft being out in Indianapolis, but having been in the league as long as you have been, I certainly want your opinion on this. Bill Belichick got fired this year. Maybe the greatest coach of all time in the history of national football and got fired. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have been fired. I kind of agree with the Patriots' decision to move on. He didn't get another gig. And it wasn't like timing was bad, that he didn't have the time to get out there. He got fired early as soon as the Patriots season was over and done with pretty quickly. So he had a chance to talk to all the teams that had coaching openings. What does it say that Bill Belichick didn't get a job? And was it a mistake by the NFL that no team hired him this offseason? Well, every team knows themselves the best. Obviously, we know about the dance he did with the Falcons. I think in a lot of cases, it's not the most qualified guy who gets the job. It's the one that might make everybody who's in the building the most comfortable. And as we know, Bill's style is different than some. He may press yeah. some people once he's inside the building. And, and sometimes your reputation precedes you. So um, I think in the case of the Falcons, they had a box that they kind of wanted to check. Maybe Bill just didn't fit that box. They have others in the building who, you know, I don't want to say they guard their desk, but let's face it, sometimes the personality is too much. Sometimes the voice is too loud. And that makes people uncomfortable. Sometimes they hold others accountable that are, are okay being mediocre. So there's a lot of factors in there. I do think it's sad that he's not coaching. Um, I would love to see Bill continue because I think he's a great coach. The GM part of it is a whole nother story and topic. I think that is, is one that he would work fine with whoever if he has respect for that person. And they can have a consensus dialogue. And I think that's what's important. And there, are, like I say, there are just some that, don't want uh, a loud voice or to be pushed. And and that's concerning for me because I see that in, in a lot of different levels in the NFL. At Randy Mueller underscore, make sure you get the underscore at the end. You can follow Randy on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter, uh, does the football GM pod uh, with Mike Sando, does a tremendous job at The Athletic. Uh, you got your top free agents there. Uh, everybody should check that out. Um, just wrote about Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears, and their decision uh, entering the draft. A uh, lot of good stuff, so check it out from Randy. I always love talking to you. I, thanks for giving us the time, Randy. I have to pick your brain on what happened here in Philadelphia with the coaching staff from the perspective. And look, they – the NFLPA team report cards came out. Nick Sirianni, very highly regarded by the players. Jeffrey Lurie, very highly regarded as an owner. I think everybody would agree with that. 
when you see that collapse and specifically offensively and how much success you had, how do you weigh that when you have to move forward? Because the Eagles, they kept a lot of coaches, but they brought in Kellen Moore. They wanted fresh ideas, new ideas. That's threading a small needle from my perspective, Randy. Is that the way you would have handled things? Well, two things. One, I hate to that, – that sounds like a whole nother show, to be honest. I know. I've got a, a lot. another appointment a in lot. about 10 minutes, so I apologize for having to cut short. But no having known Nick my whole time in San Diego when he was with us there, yeah. his personality is a little different. He comes at it a little different. Um, I do think there was a disconnect. I do think changes had to be made. Um, I think he and Howie work together, which is really good. Um, I think Howie is, is a great person for Nick to lean on. But I do think now they've kind of reshuffled the deck. It's going to be interesting because I think being a head coach or being a GM, the biggest thing you can bring to the table is being able to fix stuff because things go wrong. It is never like you draw it up. And that's in course of, of being a decision maker at the top. And maybe it's managing people. Maybe it's getting the best out of people. Maybe it's letting people do their jobs. All of these factors are in there. And not being inside the building I think that sometimes is hard for the outside world to understand. But I do think this, the pressure will be on Nick this year. He's got to find a way to connect um, with not only his players, but his coaching staff. And I think those are the alarming things for me is that disconnect. Um, there just seemed to be uh, they weren't on the same page at all from the head coach's office to the to the office, to the planning office, to every part of it. And, and that's a struggle when communication doesn't it when it seems so disjointed and that seemed to me what happened to it because they couldn't fix any of the problems they had that's concerning and maybe we're going to lean on Kellen Moore fix the problems this year during the season that's fine but it doesn't matter if you fix them it matters if you don't fix them and then it comes back to the head coach check out the football GM podcast the athletic always great when we get a chance to talk with Randy Mule know you got another uh, session popping up Randy thank you very much for your time with us here today Thanks, guys. Anytime. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, Randy. If we can get him on, we'll always get him on because Randy Mueller brings insight and information every time he jumps in. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. You got Mac and Mac Birds 365. Methinks we'll put a bow on this show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams 
deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got your Mega Mac guys putting a wrap on a Thursday Combine Week edition of Birds 365, and they actually will be out there on the field later on this afternoon, uh, as we confirmed earlier, Rick Saratel, 3 o'clock, which is a start, and it's going to go for five hours, so it's going to go into primetime on the NFL Network. We'll probably go more than five hours, I know. Yeah, I didn't think about uh, Rick brought up uh, having beers with Jerry Jones. It would be more bourbon, I would think, but yeah, that cuts into... uh... That cuts in the drinking time. Yeah, they changed it. It used to be you just hang out at the bar and all of a sudden, you know, executives, agents would come in and no more. Everything's changing, Jody. The good executives and the good agents, they'll still be there. Just be in the bar later than the uh, later. They they used to used to be able to get a good nugget at 8 30, 9 o'clock. Well, that's not happening anymore because they're still participating at 8 30, 9 o'clock. So you Gotta be ready, willing, and able to stay up till 12 31 o'clock to find that nugget of information you may be looking for. All right, guys, I'll be looking for information on today from an Eagle perspective is linebackers and defensive linemen are those who are going to be working out today. I don't think the Eagles are taking a linebacker with their first pick, probably not their second pick. I don't think there's a linebacker. Maybe Cooper uh goes late. In the first round, I don't. I don't think there's a linebacker worthy of being no. in the first round. No, so, and I think partially that is already ingrained in the overall mentality of the NFL that linebackers are just less important. So I think that uh, it it pushes them down the board to begin with. Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, but because the Hassan Reddick thing has legs and it has teeth, and there's a now more realistic chance he's going to be traded. And I'm not a fan of it. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope Hassan gets a new deal and he's here and the like. But if the Eagles do move on from him, I did see a couple articles today about Latu Latu from UCLA. Yeah. being I think Kuiper had him mocked in his latest one to the Eagles at 22. Um, and a couple people pointing out, you can't take him because he's a fireman during the offseason. He had an injury issue. Uh. He Danny retired. Watkins. 
Yeah, Danny Watkins. Uh, yeah, they don't want to go back down to Danny Watkins Road. That's just not right, and that's just not fair. I really like the player. If he's there at 22, I think he has to be a serious consideration. I didn't think he was going to be because I didn't think the Eagles were going to take an edge player. But if they trade Hassan Reddick, they damn well are in the edge market. A lot yeah, but what, what sucks, though, if they're in the edge market, there's not a lot this year, as Rick was kind of pointing out. And generally when that happens – you know, Dallas Turner is going to be, I think, the first off the board. Yep. He, he's nowhere close. He's going to be, could be a top 10 pick, but certainly would be there. Then then it's Burst, Jared Burst from Florida State. And then it's probably Latu, as you mentioned. And that's it. And Rick was trying to sell us on Chop Robinson. I don't see Chop. I wouldn't go near Chop Robinson as Neither a first would I. pick. I actually um, think he's got a chance to be a bust that if he gets taken in the first round and comes in, I know he's going to do, and he's probably going to move up in the, the this week at the combine because he's an athletic freak. But All I, the Penn state guys are, it's funny. Yeah. They, they, they test well, the Penn state guys, man. I don't think the guy's anywhere near a first round draft talent. So I, I, yeah, I think there's three per, and that's bad because that's a position of value. So guys tend to get pushed up the board because so many teams need one pass rushers and there's only three in my, I, I, that's, that's not a good year for at the top. Maybe there's more depth. Maybe you can find some good players, but at the top, not a great year for edge rushers. So mm-hmm. you got to factor that in as well when you're Ex- talking about Hassan Reddick. Except, and again, the board's going to fall where the board's going to fall. I, I'm with you. Turner's going to be long gone. I'm with you. I want no part of Chop Robinson. Are you okay with either Latu or Verse at 22? Yeah, I don't think Verse is going to be there. But I, I would love Verse at 22. I think he's going to be 12, 13, range 14. I think he's getting pushed up the board. Uh, because they're so beer with him. Um, and then Latu, yeah, I'd be fine with him at, at 22. But I think he'll get pushed up too because there's not, you know, if if you need it or want an edge rusher, you got to act quickly. You can't wait. And that's that, sort of what Rick said. And I often talk about you shouldn't draft for need, which I firmly believe in, but that doesn't mean – GMs in this league don't make mistakes all the time and they they reach for guys and you know I was talking about one bad GM earlier in the show they reach for guys and they make mistakes all the time I don't think any of them are going to be there at 22 Oof, if all three of them are gone then uh, yeah, I don't want to see Chop Robinson that's for damn sure and when versus taken anywhere in the first round and John's got him going before the Eagles at 22 um he will become the highest ever drafted former Albany State Great Dane. Oh yeah, he, he yeah forgot the Albany State aspect of he's, it. That's why he's my guy. That's my alma mater. He was he sitting in the same chair I was at the uh, uh, Al's Living Room Tavern or the any of the other. 122 taverns I went to when I was. Why, how did he, uh, how did how, how did that happen? Because he's a big time prospect. Not yeah, not criticizing the Great Danes, but you know it's not Alabama. No, but, not even close. That he had to get to go prime time. He had to get down to Florida State, but uh, and I 
don't necessarily think it was NIL money. I think it was uh, draft status. He said, yeah, if I want to play in the NFL, don't think I can stay here in Albany. Uh, it's a good town, good school, not a football factory. You, know, you want to be drafted number 13 in the NFL draft, you better become a Seminole, not a great day. Uh, we'll be talking about all this tomorrow. Uh, Johnny Mack, I'm coming back in 22 hours. How about you? I'm planning on it. We talk about have. some linebackers, talk about some 40 times, talk about some arm lengths. We're going to have our usual guy, Damo, on early. And then uh, second hour, uh, for you Vic Fangio fans out yeah, there. Um, good intel. Greg Cody, who covers the Dolphins for the Miami Herald. We had him on this year when the Dolphins and the Eagles played, did a good spot with us. So we're bringing it back on to see if he can give us some extra info as to what the hell happened with Vic Fangio down there in Miami that the Dolphins said, all right, Vic, see you later. Bye. We, and, we may and, be the highest paid coordinator in the NFL, but we don't need yeah. you anymore. You want to move on? Feel free to move on. And by the way, talking about edge rushers, remember, it's more than the draft trades for you. Andrew Van Ginkle, maybe, you know, the Dolphins evidently want to bring him back. But, uh, you know, he excelled under Vic Fangio. Maybe he says, let me let me hitch my wagon to, to Vic Fangio. It's a distinct possibility. All right. So we will be back here. McMullen McDonald, join us back here on Birds 365 and 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.